I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 147. Psalm 147, read with me in verses 10 and 11. He delighteth not in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy. And I begin to wonder, what does God take pleasure in? What, does, what pleases him? What does God delight in? He doesn't take pleasure, it says, he doesn't delight in the strength of the horse. You know, the horse would have been at this time, and really any time, but in this time, without tanks and, you know, uh, modern war equipment or modern vehicles or modern uh, farming equipment, a horse was a very, very valuable thing to have. They used horses in battle, they used horses to pull chariots, they used horses for work or for transportation. Horses were Something when, when an army had horses, for example, they were, they were more stout and, and more prepared and more powerful than an army that didn't have horses. It says, but God doesn't delight in the strength of the horse. He taketh not pleasure in the legs of a man. And we have to have strong legs to do physical labor and work and, and move ourselves from place to place. Again, they didn't have vehicles or anything at this time. But God doesn't take pleasure in that. He says, the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him in those that hope in his mercy. And we need to consider, we're going to consider this morning, what does God take pleasure in? Because I believe that most people are concerned, and I would include myself in this at times. I'm not, praise God, we don't stay this way, but most people are concerned only with not what pleases God, but with what pleases themselves. People are concerned about what pleases me. And we need to consider what pleases God. Isaiah said, the ox knows his owner and the ass his master's crib, but Israel doth not know. My people doth not consider. We need to consider. We need to wise up. We're Christians. We're born again. If you're born again here, we need to consider. We need to consider what pleases God. We need to consider the life he's called me to live. We don't just go through life having some vague belief in God. We're born again or we're not born again. We're saved or we're lost. We're in our sin or we're in Christ. There's not a middle ground. And if we're in Christ, there's a calling of God upon our lives. And if we're in Christ, there is a very specific life he's called us to live in its accordance with the Bible that he's given us. We need to consider what pleases God. How can I live in such a way that I please God? What pleases the Lord? What uh, what glorifies Christ? How can I... Christ be glorified in my life. Do you ever think that? How can Christ be glorified in my life? One of the prayers I pray, and I don't always fulfill it perfectly, but I'm letting you know my heart to pray. One of my prayers that I pray daily is, Lord, be as glorified through my life as you can be. He's not always, because I take my eyes off of Jesus, and I get in my flesh, and I get in myself, and I get selfish at moments and at times far too often. But that is a, my prayer. Be as glorified through my life as you can be on this earth. As many days as I'm here, you know, be as glorified as you possibly can be through my life. And we need to consider these things. We need to consider how God can be glorified through our lives. And God is glorified primarily through his son, Jesus Christ. We don't have to, we don't have to wonder and wish, you know, I could figure out what, what brings God pleasure and what is he glorified through. I'm going to just read this. This is Peter's testimony. If you're taking notes, it's 2 Peter 1.17. I'm going to go ahead and read it. For we received from God the Father, Peter says, honor and glory. For he received 
from God the Father, honor and glory, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This is when Peter and James and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw, uh, they saw Elijah and they saw Moses and who had died many years before and gone to be with the Lord, but they saw them there. And they were, Elijah and Moses were talking to Jesus up on this mountain. And Peter, and they're almost in shock, and they don't know what to say. And he says, Lord, it's good that we were here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a tabernacle or a little memorial, one for you and one for Moses and one for, for Elijah. And God overshadowed them with a cloud, and they couldn't see anything. And when the cloud, uh, they, they heard a voice from heaven that said, and this is what the voice said. It was God the Father. It says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And the fog lifted or the clouds, Shekinah glory lifted, whatever that cloud was. And they saw no man but Jesus only. And God is trying to tell us something as he tried to tell Peter and James and John, I'm pleased in my son. I'm pleased in my son. I'm pleased in my son, Jesus Christ. Hear him. Obey him. Walk in his way. So how can my life honor God and please God? Walk in the things of God. Trust in Christ. Walk in the word of God. Live in such a way that honors God through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. I want you to turn with me. That's going to be our key passages, Psalm 147, 10, and 11. But I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Now, this is yet future. The Lord allowed John the beloved, John the apostle on the island of Patmos to see things into the future that are still ahead of us. But read with me, John, I mean, Revelation 4, 9 through 11. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Listen to this. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Revelations 4.11, you've created all things, and all things are created for your pleasure. We need to wise up. We need to wake up. Sometimes we think that it's all about us, right? We, we just get up in our day and see what pleases me and what, what, what can please me and, and so forth. And yet, we're created for the pleasure of God. We need to, to consider what pleases God. A good servant seeks to please their master. And a redeemed, redeemed men and women seek to please God. Paul said in, in Galatians 1.10, when he was speaking about the gospel, and don't, you know, uh, don't follow whether an angel from heaven or anyone else tells you another gospel, don't follow them. He said this, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You understood it. It's one or the other. As a believer, I have one that I stand and fall to. I have one that I stand and fall to, and it's the Lord. If I'm see, Even as a Christian, if I'm out seeking to please men, even seeking to please men in the name of Jesus, then I'm not seeking to please my Father. He says, for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be a servant of God. We have to serve God. God will make our lives pleasing to men for the most part. God will make us the best friend and neighbor and, 
worker and father and husband and mother and student and everything we could be. But it, we have to seek first and only to please and honor the Lord. I want to defy that word pleasure because it says the Lord doesn't take pleasure in the horse or the, or the strength of man's legs and so forth. He takes pleasure in those that fear him and those that trust in his mercy. That word pleasure means to satisfy. So the Lord, excuse me, is satisfied with men that fear him and men that hope in his mercy. Okay? It means to approve. Pleasure means to satisfy, to approve, to accept, to enjoy, to delight, to observe, even to pardon and reconcile. That's part of the definition. So the Lord takes pleasure in and, and enjoys those that hope in his mercy and fear him. And he also pardons and reconciles them that fear him and hope in his mercy. <clears throat> but God created us. We just read it in Revelation 4.11 that God created us. God is our maker. Lost men don't know that. They don't know it. They might have heard that verse before or somebody might have told them, but they don't know it, know it in their hearts. And a lot of times those that are truly born again don't live as though it's the fact that God is our maker. He is our creator. The Bible says he gives life and breath to all. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's. Whose is it? The Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. That includes us, right? That includes the earth, the world, and every inhabitant of it. All creatures, including human beings. Earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. And people don't realize it, but we're created for the pleasure of God. We're created for the pleasure of God. And when, when our eyes are open to see this, then we can start living with God and for God and living in such a way by faith that pleases the Lord. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Amen. It has to be by faith. It's not by natural sight. It's by faith in God. I just want to read this. You know, there's the account, if you read through the book of Daniel, and I'm sure you have, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel was taken captive along with other young Hebrews during that time of Nebuchadnezzar's reign. It was a, it was a captivity that God had foretold was going to come if Israel continued in their rebellion, and they did, 70-year captivity. But during that time, Daniel outlived several, several kings and, and even two empires that he was under. But there was a, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson named Belshazzar, was arrogant. He was having a party one night. They'd forgotten about Daniel. Daniel had uh, interpreted dreams for Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar had promoted him and so forth in the kingdom. And he was true to God, and he was faithful to serve the king. And and and. But anyway, he was forgotten about. And here comes Belshazzar, who's the the king. And they they were drinking. He had, he had had a big feast and a big party one night. And he had all his lords and maids and maidens and all the different people around. And they were drinking. And while they're drinking, they're praising the gods of gold and silver and of brass and iron. And they're praising, they're drinking in these golden vessels that they stole from the house of God in Jerusalem when they destroyed it and burned it down. They brought all this stuff like, you know, uh, loot from the house of God. And he's just worshiping idols. And this is when he, he, he looks at the wall and he sees a hand without a body attached to it writing on the wall. And he was so scared. It says his, literally, this is where I think that little, I always think of Scooby-Doo, that, that cartoon Scooby-Doo with Shaggy 
And when they were scared, their knees were knocking together, okay, in the cartoon. It says his loins, joints of his loins were loose and his knees shake together. Now, he's scared. And so he looks over there in the midst of his idolatry and drunkenness. He looks and he sees, he knows that's not normal. And he's scared. And he asks all of his astrologers and wise men, can somebody tell me what that little writing on the wall is? Because the words were written there. And nobody could interpret it. And they, and they said, well, there's, there's a God that your father, actually it was his grandfather, knew and was used to interpret dreams. What's well, called for him? Daniel, who's the son of the Hebrews. And so he comes in, and Daniel, I'm just going to read the scripture real quickly. Daniel says to Belshazzar, Thou hast praised the gods of silver, of gold, of brass, of iron, of wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways thou hast not glorified. I would say that's how most people on the planet are. We praise this, we praise that, we praise the government, people worship nature, nature, people worship the environment, people worship their bank accounts, people worship their spouse, people worship their children and elevate them on some pedestal. People worship all kinds of things, they worship themselves. But he says, the God in whose breath, whose hand thy breath is, in other words, your breath is in God's hands, lost man and saved man. Your breath is in God's hands. And whose are all their ways thou hast not glorified. But we're created for the pleasure of God. The lost men that are raging against God, they're created for God's pleasure. The lost men that are just don't know any better and are just lost, they're created for the pleasure of God. They need to be saved. They can be saved. The Lord loves them. But we need to live that way. And I think one of the notable results, there are several, but one of the notable results of the fall of man into sin is that sin made man self-centered instead of God-centered. I didn't invent this thought. You've probably read it before or heard it before. But it's interesting and fitting that the little three-letter word sin, S-I-N, has an I right in the middle of it. I. Sin. When men fell into sin, men became self-centered centered on self everything exists for man's own pleasure in fallen man's mind all of creation you could even say if those that are lost and in sin that have some type of belief in God that even God exists for me and for my pleasure man sees himself as the big God and if there is another God who really is the almighty God then he is just a means for my own happiness to supply me for the things that I want. What can God do to please me? And if God can please me and further me in this, then I'll, quote, give my life to the Lord. But let me tell you something. I know that you know it. Almighty God does not exist for my pleasure. He doesn't exist simply for the pleasure of man. He existed before man ever was. He is before all things, and by him all things consist, the Bible says. The Bible says, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. All things are created by him and for him. And that includes you, and that includes me. Now, I will say this. God's not going to be used by anybody 
not going to be used even by a so-called Christian. God will have to judge if they're really Christian or not. But God's not going to be used simply as a means to further my personal pleasures in life. In other words, here I'm living my life, God. Uh, come along with me and make my road smooth. Make my life rosy and everything that I want. I want to stay on track with what I want. I want to add God to the picture to bring these things to pass. Because I believe in God and I believe He's God of miracles and He can do these things for me. God is not, does not exist simply to give me my every whim of what I want. Having said that, I want to say this, that without question, knowing Christ, being found in Christ, belonging to Christ brings men pleasure. Without question, it brings men the greatest of all pleasures to know the Lord, joy unspeakable and full of glory. He satisfies our longing hearts and fills the hungry soul with goodness. God brings to the souls of men a pleasure and a joy that is beyond compare, that could not come from anywhere else, and it certainly couldn't come from not knowing the Lord. Amen? So having said that, that God satisfied, I can boldly say, and so can you, can pro proclaim to a lost man, look, given your life to Christ, all those longings of your heart will be satisfied. He'll give you peace that passes this world's understanding. He will give you joy. His joy will that will be full in you. You tell people about that. They need to know that. But those facts don't change the fact that God was not created, so to speak, for my pleasure. I'm created for the pleasure of God. He's God. And David said, uh, he says, Thou wilt show me the paths of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Where is fullness of joy? In the presence of God. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. He knew this. So God's satisfied. Satis and, and I'll tell you this, that God is happy to do it. Isn't that wonderful? We don't have to twist God's arm to bless us. I need some peace. And so I'll do this for you, God, if you give me some peace. No, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It comes from abiding in Christ. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, Jesus said. He is pleased to bless men who trust in him. He's pleased to bless men in Christ because that's where the blessings are. The blessings are not outside of Christ. We met a lot of people uh, walking around yesterday in the time that we spent sharing the gospel, people we didn't know, people from all walks of life. And most people were courteous and respectful, and a lot of people prayed and wanted prayer and said, oh, I've, I've prayed before and I pray every day. And God may bless them, and God may answer those prayers. But that's just the goodness of God. That's just the kindness of God. They're still created. They, they, if they don't give their life to Jesus and aren't born again, they're going to hell, a very real hell. And they weren't created simply to go through life, and when the wife has cancer, would you heal my wife? And they're created for the glory of God. They're created for the, His pleasure. And so the fact that God is kind and good and merciful is a fact. We need to boast on it and brag about it and tell men about it. That doesn't change the fact that God does not exist for me. I exist for him and for his pleasure. So don't let that uh, confuse the, the fact that we are created, not only as believers, not only we're created by God, but we've redeemed. We've been redeemed by the Lord. 
and we belong to the Lord, and it is for his pleasure. Amen? It is for his pleasure. We're servants of the Lord. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Nebuchadnezzar said when they were in the fire, you servants of the Most High God, come up out of that fire. He knew who they were. They're servants of the Most High God. Well, they were servants to the king in an earthly sense, and they were faithful to the king. But when it came to worshiping a statue or worshiping the one true God, we'll die rather than worship that statue. Throw us in the fire if you must. Okay? Did, uh, Nebuchadnezzar who they were, knew who they were. He's three servants of the Most High God. That's what we are if we're born again. We're created for his pleasure and for his glory and honor. Bless ye the Lord, David says, all ye his hosts, ye ministers of, ministers of his that do his pleasure. Ministers of God. We're doing God's pleasure. Amen. Somehow, in modern day Christianity, we've seen it perverted and this truth perverted. And we've made it seem almost like Christianity. This is not everybody. Okay. I'll say this all this. When I, when I talk about a trend, for example, or uh, a of something that we see in, in modern-day Christianity, it's not a blanket condemnation that every pastor, every church, every believer, every Christian author is this way. We see it, though, uh, we see it notably. But we've seen where this truth has been perverting and Christianity and trying to convince someone to give their life to Christ and to accept Jesus is based simply on you're gonna, God's just going to bless you so much, and, and, and it's going to satisfy, he's going to satisfy you. And somehow God came along just to make the sinner more happy, just to make the sinner more happy, more healthy, more successful in business, more successful in sports, more successful in school, more popular, have more self-control, self-esteem, these kind of things. And it that God's come along just to you give your life to Jesus because he's going to fulfill your every desire and and every good pleasure you know that you're longing for that's why God came to die no he came to save sinners Paul said of whom I am chief all the other stuff is blessing on top of it all of it is just the rest comes from knowing Christ the rest comes from being in Christ the next comes the rest comes because he's a wonderful savior and is a savior to the uttermost. And he is God and he's all consuming. And he comes in and takes over our lives. But God doesn't come just to make the sinner a little more comfortable and happy and successful. To me, that's nothing more than a sanctified hedonism. Where I want all my pleasures fulfilled. And I'll, I'll get God, I'll adopt him into the picture to help, to help fulfill those things that I want. But y'all, that is not... What was just described there is not the Christianity of the Bible. It is not the faith that was once delivered to the saints. That is not why Jesus Christ hung on a cross and died. That is not. He came to save sinners. Amen. Uh, he came to seek and save the lost. He came to destroy and break the power of the enemy, the Bible says. And he has done that for all those that put their trust in him. And so... We need to understand that there's a wrong that needs to be righted in our mind and in our thoughts and in our hearts and in Christianity as a whole. Again, not every Christian is has gone after this, this thought, not by a long shot, but there are many that have, and we see it. You and I and all men will only be satisfied. Is it wrong for men to want to be satisfied? No. 
but we'll only be satisfied in Christ. We'll only be fulfilled in Christ. We'll only be joyful in Christ. A man apart from Christ will never be. They could have all the wealth of the world, all the health of the world, all the friends of the world, all the popularity and good looks and strength and everything of, that this world could ever offer. They will not be satisfied and fulfilled outside of Christ. Never. They're sinners, and the wrath of God abides upon them, and they need a Savior. And they're strangers from the Lord. And the whole world lies in the embrace of the wicked one, the Bible says. The only way that a man will be satisfied, and that includes Christian men, first of all, is when we surrender ourselves fully to the Lordship of Christ. These are old, unfortunately, these have become like old-fashioned words today in the church. Surrendering fully to Christ. That's how you're going to be satisfied. Not surrendering partially to Christ. Not saying my name's written down and when I die I'm going to heaven. But surrendering fully to Christ. This life and whatever comes after, he's going to bring us into it. And he, but, but surrendering fully to the Lord. We don't serve God simply for what he can give me and do for me. But rather we serve God because he's worthy. We serve God because he is worthy. And for thy pleasure they are created. Thou art worthy, O Lord. That's why we serve God. And the light bulb has come on and we've seen. And one of the things we've seen is not only the glory of God, we see our own wretchedness apart from God. And I think that's also glossed over or omitted in modern day evangelism is for people to come to a deep sense of their own sinfulness and sinful condition apart from moved. In Christ, we're clean. Our, our, our transgressions are removed, removed from us as far as the east is from the west. He makes us white as snow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. But I need to know that they're scarlet and they're crimson and they're black and they're filthy. I need to see that. I need to know it about myself so that I can fully appreciate the grace of God. Amen? The grace of God. We don't serve the Lord simply so he can make us happier in the life that we already have. We serve God because he's worthy of my life. He's worthy of my worship. I don't feel like singing this morning. I'm tired. I stayed up late last night. I was out of town. for the He's worthy of my worship. I'm going to lift up my hands to the Lord. I'm going to lift up my voice to the Lord. He's worthy of my devotion. And I am blessed beyond measure simply to be counted worthy to be called by his name and to serve him. Does he bless me? You better believe he blesses me and he blesses you. And I thank God for it and I will boast on it, the blessings of God. But I'm created for his pleasure. And I'll be satisfied and blessed as I walk in Christ and I walk in obedience to the Lord. We need to truly know the Lord. We need to truly know how sinful we are and wretched we are apart from Christ. And that will, that will greatly help us to appreciate the worth of Christ and the price that was paid to redeem us. The Bible says, and Peter says, we weren't redeemed from our corrupt, you know, sinful life that we had before by silver or gold or corruptible things, but by the precious blood of the Lamb. What does that matter to me if I don't even think I need a Savior? 
Or, yeah, I'm a little, I'm bad, but I'm no Hitler. You know, I'm no this. I'm, I'm a little bad, but I'm better than most people. I'm better than a lot of people I know in church. And that kind of, we need to see our sinfulness. We need to see who and what we are apart from Christ. Just on your own, by yourself. Only thing you can rightly call your own, I heard a man say, is your sin. That's the only thing you can call your own. And we need to see that. And guess what happens when we begin to see our sinful selves? Mercy is extended to us. And grace is extended to us and offered to us and given to us. And I would say poured out upon us through Jesus Christ. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, it reigned over your life and my life. Death reigned because of sin and our sin nature. Much more they which receive abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. God doesn't exist. I'm bringing this to a close. But God doesn't exist for me. He doesn't exist strictly for me. Does he love me? He showed that love through Christ. Amen. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. For, oh, he loves us with an everlasting love. He loves with a perfect with a perfect love. He loves you. He loves me. We could go on and on about the love of the Lord, but God doesn't exist for me. God is not somehow indebted to me uh, because I gave my life to Jesus. God is not dependent upon me. He doesn't exist to fulfill my every whim as though he is somehow subservient to me. And I think that is the weak, wimpy, worldly Christ that some have painted. It's not the Christ of the Bible. It's not the God of the Bible. And that's not the salvation of the Bible. It's not the Christianity of the Bible. No, you and I exist solely and wholly for his pleasure. And he's pleased with those that trust in him, that fear him that hope in his mercy. I want to read this just from Psalm 149.4. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. He's pleased with those that believe him. He's pleased with those that believe his promises. He's pleased with those that walk in his ways and walk in his promises and walk in the light of his word, that preach his word, that aren't ashamed of the gospel. And he gives us the boldness to where we're not. And he gives us the power by his spirit to do these things. But it really is an amazing thought that a man created in the image of God but fallen into sin, and that's every man who's a child of Adam, right? That a man can live in such a way, first of all, that we can be reconciled to God. That's all through Jesus. That's, uh, that's through faith in the Lord and his blood and his cross. But we can afterwards live in such a way that we actually please God. That is an amazing thought to me. I know my thoughts. I know my sin. I know, probably don't know half of it, but I know enough of my sin to know it's an amazing thing that God could receive pleasure through my life. That God could be glorified through my life. We have to be in Christ. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. And, and Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus, for even Christ pleased not himself. Romans 15, even Christ on this earth pleased not himself. God doesn't exist to please me, and I don't exist to please myself. I exist to please God, and God will fulfill me and fill me and f 
fulfill the longings and desires of my heart. I want to read this from Hebrews 11. We know the chapter on faith in Hebrews 11 where it says, Without faith it is impossible to please Him. And one of the examples that's given right before that verse, it says, By faith Enoch. We don't know a whole lot about Enoch. I mean, it's not like Abraham's life or Moses' life where we know so much about him. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Listen to this. For before his translation, he had this testimony. What's Enoch's testimony? I want to pull up a chair and I want to hear. What's Enoch's testimony? That he pleased God. Is that not amazing? I mean, what a thought. Here's a, he pleased God. He walked with God. He must have trusted the Lord and trusted in his, hoped in his mercy and humbled himself before God and loved God and walked with the Lord before God took him in his natural body, just took him on, almost like a little mini rapture. Uh, before that, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Amen. And, and Jesus even said, for God uh, hasn't left me alone. He says, he that sent me is with me. For I do always those things that please him. So I'm going to bring this to a close. John says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Y'all, we have to keep our eyes on the Lord. We need to, first of all, consider, don't even think about it. Just get up and, and go through my life, just be bopping along how... You know, when I have a little bit of trouble, I ask God to help me and I read my chapter in the Bible and keep rolling. Or do we really say, no, wait a minute. He saved me by his blood and I belong to him because he says he purchased us. How, God, can you be glorified through my life? What, what is there things, are there things in my life, Lord, that are not pleasing to you? Certainly there are. Certainly there are things in my life that aren't pleasing to God. How can you... Be more pleased through my life. Help me, God. That's, that's the thought. To even consider that line of thinking is biblical, okay? And it's Christian. It's a needful thing to consider what pleases him. I'll close. I'm going to close with this scripture. You can turn with me if you would. D, you can come. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, For this cause also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's what we're getting from the Holy Ghost. That's what we're getting from the Bible and from the Word of God when we set our minds upon the Lord and go to the Scriptures and go in prayer to the Lord spiritual understanding and wisdom and the knowledge of his will. Verse 10, that you might walk worthy of the Lord. This is not earning your salvation. He's talking to Christians, now that you're saved, walk in such a way that honors God. That's what he's saying. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. Pleasing who? Pleasing the Lord. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Y'all stand with me this morning. This is a simple thought, but this is, we can boil it down to one thing. Is my life pleasing God? Do I consider living such a life that pleases God? And what does he take pleasure in? 
what would please God through my life. You don't know if you're going to live another second or another 50 or 60, 70 years. We don't know that. But however long it is, he's worthy of every second of it being used for him. Father, we just come before you. Y'all, the altars are open. Come meet with the Lord. We're just going to pray. Dee's going to sing a little bit and play. Before we dismiss this morning, take your time to fall upon your knees. Call upon the living God. And Father, we want to come before you and say, Lord, forgive me. Many times I don't even consider what brings you pleasure. I consider and seek after only what brings me pleasure. And I pray that you forgive me because it's selfishness, God. And it's sin. Thou art worthy, O Lord. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Lead us and guide us, Lord. Cause us by the Holy Ghost and by faith to live in such a way that honors you. It is befitting such a great Savior. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, for pursuing our own interest rather than the things of God. Even Christ pleased not himself. Help us, Lord. Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.